Welcome to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. It's the classic Jesus music radio show. It's a look back at where it all began. This is Full Circle, looking back at the beginnings of today's contemporary Christian music. Now, Now, here's your host, Jerry Bryant. Hi everybody, this is Jerry Bryant, and welcome to another edition of Full Circle, the classic Jesus music radio show where I'm taking you back to where it all began. So, let's get started. On this episode, I'll be featuring the music and message from some of the contemporary Christian musicians of the past who are now pastors, or in some cases, evangelists, including Odin Fong of Mustard Seed Faith, Mylon Lefevre, Glenn Kaiser of the Resurrection Band, and a few others that are in the whatever happened to them category. In fact, to start us off, one of those in that specific category. In the early 70s, there was a duo that came out with only a couple of albums, but made such a huge impact in the Jesus music world. This duo from England was composed of Malcolm Wilde and Alwyn Wall, who had been performing together as a band called the Zodiacs prior to their conversion. The lyrics of their newfound faith reflected the love they had for Jesus and also the people of the world that his father had created. The group's popularity in the U.S. was given a boost by the late Larry Norman, thanks to his song, Dear Malcolm, Dear Alwyn, in which he sings, Dear Malcolm, Dear Alwyn, you're my favorite singers in England, and I love you so much, you got the Holy Spirit's touch. You're much more than just a two-man band. After doing the music thing for a while, they were both called into the ministry and are still serving as pastors today. Malcolm Wilde is currently the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel in Merritt Island, Florida. He still performs with the Calvary Chapel Worship Band. And he also ministers, like myself, on the radio with a program called Sound Truth. Owen Wall is currently a senior pastor at Calvary Chapel, Westminster in London, England. I thought you'd like to hear some of what each of our guests sound like as they preach from the Word before I get into their music. And I'll start out with Malcolm Wilde as he expounds on Genesis. This is Full Circle. Atheist and evolutionist Carl Sagan wrote, The cosmos is all that ever is, or ever was, or ever will be. Well, the Bible says, the fool in his heart has said there is no God. Now, what does the Bible say? Well, we begin with the book of Genesis just with that simple verse. The Bible doesn't, you know, start with let us suppose or try to make a, a, a case for the existence of God. Just presumes that everybody in their right mind would believe that there is a God. And so it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. And if you can believe that one verse, then you know that nothing is impossible. That God created the heavens and the earth. But I want you to notice the contrast, and we'll see more of this as we go through the book of Genesis. We'll bring this out, especially in our introduction to Genesis in Sound Truth. I want you to note the contrast and to note that 
this has serious implications on how life is lived. It is very important to your life to understand how life came to be. It affects how you live your life. And the enemy has done such a thorough job in promoting the false doctrine of evolution and so implanting it in our society that most people, other than Bible-believing Christians, do not take the book of Genesis to be a true account of the history of the origin of the world and, and of man. Even people who might believe or acknowledge the New Testament do not look upon Genesis as an actual historical account of the beginning of the world. They would see it as myths and legends and stories to, to help just simple people. Well, the problem is, in the New Testament, if they believe the New Testament, the New Testament often references Genesis as being accurate. Jesus himself said, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. He didn't say that God made man and woman millions or billions of years after the beginning of creation. But Jesus actually said that there have been people on the earth since the very beginning of the creation of the world. I love you, Jesus. You do me well. You're my best friend. You saved my soul from hell. They say, leave out the cross. Leave out the blood. That kind of talk won't do your career any good. I'm not after a hit song. I just want someone to sing to. Ashamed of what Jesus has done The battle's fought It's over and won The skeptics they shout And they can do as they feel I don't mind the devil's under my heel I don't mind being talked about It's only to be expected Jesus, he is the vine And it's time they got songs about love and peace and their rights and wrongs the songs are okay the music's fine but without the truth they're just wasting their time i'm not after a hit parade song i just want someone to sing to i'm not after a pocket full of money cause it's heaven that i'm into there's been rumors around that said god is dead it just goes to show how you can be misled Now I'm not for gossip and there's one thing for sure I won't be listening to rumors anymore I don't mind being talked about It's only to be expected Jesus, he's the vine and it's time they got connected You're listening to Full Circle, and that was Malcolm and Alwyn with Someone to Sing To, which now could be retitled, Someone to Preach To, as both are pastors in the present day. This is Jerry Bryant, and we now head south to hear from Mylon Lefebvre. 
For anyone who's seen Mylan on stage back in the day can attest, one question always came to mind. Does he want to be a rock and roll musician or a preacher? Well, after 10 albums in 10 years, traveling over a million miles, playing to an untold number of young people, the strain proved to be too much. And in 1989, his past drug abuse caught up with him and he suffered a massive heart attack on a tour bus while traveling with the band Whiteheart. And of all things, those two bands were on a thing called the Heart Attack Tour from coast to coast. Now, doctors advised Milan to stop touring, but against the physician's advice, he completed his scheduled obligations, finished his concert tours, which would mark the end of the Milan Lefebvre and Broken Heart era of his career. Following his heart attack and recovery, Milan increasingly turned to preaching and teaching as his vocation. He and his wife, Christy, minister in about 75 churches a year. He's also spoken at motorcycle rallies, NASCAR owner-driver chapel services, NFL and NBA chapel services, in Russia, Australia, Canada, the Philippines, the Cayman Islands, and Mexico. The couple's home church is Eagle Mountain International Church, in Newark, Texas. And here's just a sample of what it was like at a Mylon Lefebvre concert. From the Live Forever Concert LP, here's Mylon preaching and playing and inviting people to come to Jesus just the way they are in his own unique Southern style. Full circle. You know, you can talk to God. In fact, you can have communication with God. That's not just talking to him, that's listening to. Two-way conversation. It takes some effort in order to have a conversation with God. It's like if I called you on the phone and you you answered, you'd be nice for a little bit and then you'd say, who is this if you'd never spoken to me before, heard my voice? And at first, when I first started praying to God and asking Him for answers, it's like He would give me the answers, but I wasn't sure it was Him. I thought it might be my mind and I might make a real bad mistake and be out of the will of God. So I just didn't do anything. I'd wait until He made it really obvious. But I've been talking to him for a few years now. Just like if I called you a hundred times on the phone, you wouldn't have to say, who is this? You'd say, oh man, my, what's happening? You learn to know the voice of God. And if you're hungry and thirsty after righteousness, his righteousness, he's true to his word. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, that we're always worrying about and thinking about and praying about and talking about, they'll be added unto you. God is concerned about where you live and who you marry. He's concerned about our failures. Jesus Christ came to this earth and lived and died for our sins. And he was raised again and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father now. And that day when I asked him to forgive me of my sins, he not only forgave me, but his word says he cast them into a sea of forgiveness that he doesn't even remember them anymore. Thank you, Jesus. And that I'm so free from him. And it honors him for me to accept that freedom and to enjoy the joy of the Lord. He is my joy, my salvation. That's religious sounding in a way, but not when you get to know Jesus. Not when you realize what the cross means to you. It's what gave me my position in Christ. I'm not just a little earth being walking around the planet 
surviving. I'm a priest and a king to my wife and child. In our ministry, he really will. You know I can't teach or preach, and yet I will go in all the world by faith in Jesus Christ. I will teach and preach, and I will make disciples. Because his word says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anything I can do, you can do. God has no respect to our persons. He doesn't love Billy Graham any more than he loves. He died for the bums on the street that are winos that are going to die tonight. And for heroin addicts in New York City. Jesus Christ shed his blood for hookers in L.A. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God loves you. And I love you. Mylon Lefebvre and Broken Heart with Coming Back Again from his sophomore album called More, recorded back in 
Hey, this is Eddie DeGarmo of DeGarmo and Key, and you're listening to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant, taking you back to where it all began. This is Jerry Bryant. Now, Odin Fong may be a name not familiar to many of you, but you may have heard of his first band, Mustard Seed Faith. And his story began in Hollywood, as his dad was an actor who starred in the Charlie Chan film series. He would meet people like Gregory Peck, June Allison, and Jack Lemmon all the time. For much of his younger life, Odin's father wasn't around very much, but when he was, he was very strict. He was his only son, so he expected a lot from him. By the age of 13, Odin started to rebel. At first, it was drinking whiskey and then smoking pot regularly, eventually graduating to LSD. As he got older, he started looking into all kinds of faiths and philosophies, and there was almost nothing that he didn't try in his spiritual quest. He finally got so frustrated, he decided that what he really wanted once and for all was to become one with God. So there, at the Joshua Tree Monument in 1970, Odin took a vial of pure crystal sunshine, LSD. He snorted the equivalent of 150 doses and immediately began convulsing. He fell over on his back. He couldn't breathe. He remembers dying. And according to the testimony of those with him, they knew he was dead. According to his own words, here's what happened next. Uh, What transpired after, I can't even really explain. I do know that they couldn't resuscitate me. They couldn't get me breathing again. My heart stopped beating. And I did, yes, I did have one of those uh, after or out-of-the-body experiences to a certain extent where I basically was in a place of darkness. And so everything that I had learned in the past told me that what I should do is look for the light. Look for the light, and then you're going to go into your next incarnation. You'll just be reincarnated over and over again until you get it right. You know what I mean? It sounds fun, doesn't it? And so I'm looking for the light, I'm looking for the light, there's no light, it's just total darkness, total blackness, and all of a sudden I started to realize that I was just in darkness forever, and I was a conscious living entity living within that darkness. And as I started to succumb to it, I started to to sense the presence of other souls that were in that same place, screaming and crying out in agony, and all of a sudden I started to realize that I was one of those voices. And I remember I, I, I invoked every single name that you can imagine. Every, every uh, guru that I had studied under, all of their gods, every deity, every uh, you know, demigod that I could remember their name and nothing happened. And the very last name that I cried out to because I never wanted to be a Christian was the name of Jesus. I said, Jesus, if you're real, save me. If you're real, save me. And I was screaming it at the top of my lungs. I, you, you couldn't bear it if I were to start screaming right now. And all of a sudden in that darkness, the darkness began to like quake, like the whole universe was shaking and there were flashes of light and uh, brighter and brighter and brighter. And I actually came to uh, in the middle of the desert and I was, I was alive, I was breathing. And there was uh, a, a man standing in front of me whose countenance was so bright that I had to avert my whole, my eyes and my whole body away from him. And uh, it was almost like it was noontime and the sun was shining up above and this person and the, the image and outline of this person was so bright that I couldn't look. And, but even when I turned around and I started to try to bury myself under the sand to get away from the sight of this person, I could still see him. And then I heard a voice that I'll never forget. I still remember it today. It makes me 
cry and shiver and rejoice and laugh all at the same time. It sounded like the sound of many waters. It sounded, it filled every single molecule in the air and he basically just said this. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I remember that after I heard those words, uh, I waited for a long time and then I turned around and, and it was gone. The, the, uh, all the, there were little flashes of light and everything. And, you know, I went back home and I remember that um, I told some of the people about the experience and they thought I just had a big psychedelic experience. And, and, and my old brethren from the Brotherhood that are still alive today say that Odin flipped out on LSD and became a Jesus freak and never came back. That's my reputation. Um, now pastor at Palima Christian Fellowship in Huntington Beach, California, Odin Fong, with again and again. Oh, 
Again and again, Odin Fong from his first solo album, Come for the Children, on Full Circle, back to where it all began. Back in 2008, I went to the Cornerstone Festival, and one of the main reasons for going was to see the reunion of the DeGarmo and Key Band. The boys from Memphis, Tennessee got the old band back together again after 14 years for this one-off event. It would tragically be the last time I would see them play together, as Dana Key would suddenly die two years later from complications associated with a blood clot. Although he had previous health problems, his death was unexpected. In the years after the band had broken up in 1994, Eddie DeGarmo would become president of EMI Records Christian Division, and Dana would be serving as the pastor of a small church in Cordova, Tennessee called the Love of Christ Church. I wish I had the recording of Dana sharing the word that night at the festival. He was so passionate, like a man running out of time. But Dana was always that way. Here's a bit of Dana sharing the word from the 1982 live double album, No Turning Back, followed by the song over and over from their 1980 release, This Ain't Hollywood. First of all, I want to tell you that we think that there's kind of a problem in America today. You know, religious freedom is a wonderful thing, and prosperity is a wonderful thing as well. But in a sense, in our churches, religious freedom and prosperity breeds people who are playing religious games. Because, you know, it's kind of become popular to be religious today. It's okay to be a Christian today. Of course, if you live back in the times of the apostles, if you were a Christian then, you faced the probability of, you know, facing the lion's den or maybe a fire or something. And I feel like if we had a little persecution, that it would kind of, in a sense, weed out the chaff from the wheat. Now, I, hey, now listen, I want you to understand something. I'm not praying for persecution, but I am praying for revival. I remember a time in my life when I was living a very comfortable kind of Christian life. Believe it or not, there was a time in my life when I had an office, a desk, and a secretary and a company car, if you can believe that. And uh, I was sitting in my office one uh, morning, and this friend of mine came in to see me, and the first thing he says is, man, I was praying for you this morning, and God gave me a message for you. Well, I'm kind of skeptical about God giving messages to other people for me, you know what I mean? But I figured that I wasn't listening very carefully, so he had to tell somebody who was. He said, do you remember the story about how the uh, disciples, that was before they were promoted to apostles, remember? But the disciples were out on the uh, lake, and a storm came up, and Jesus wasn't with them. And they looked out over the water, and they saw what they thought was a ghost or a phantom. And uh, it kind of scared them. 
And Peter, you know, called out, and, and it was Jesus, actually. And uh, Peter said, Jesus, if that's really you, let me come out and walk on the water with you. And the Lord said, fine, get out of the boat and come on. And I thought, you know, David was telling me this story, and I thought what he was going to say uh, was that, you know, that Peter got out of the boat, and he stopped looking at Jesus, and he started looking at the storm, and when he did, he began to sink, which is a good message, and it's one of the messages of that story. But that's not what he had to say to me at all. He said, Dana, do you realize that Peter was the only disciple willing to get out of the boat? He said there were 11 other disciples sitting in a warm, safe, dry, comfortable boat. Only Peter had enough faith to get out and walk to Jesus in the storm. He said, Dana, right there at your desk, you're sitting in your boat, and it's safe, and it's warm, and it's dry, and it's comfortable. But you need to be walking in the storm with Jesus. You know what I did? I went home and I wept, and I got my guitar out of the closet, dusted the dust off of it, and said, by your grace, Lord, I'm going to go out and play in the storm for you. Now, it's not because I'm some kind of spiritual giant, but I can tell you this, there's more happiness and there's more peace in the storm with Jesus than there is in the boat alone. I want to encourage you tonight, if you're sitting in a safe, comfortable, dry boat, instead of walking where Jesus has been leading you, tonight, settle up with Him and say in your heart, by the grace of God, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, even if it is in the storm.
Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. This is Owen Brock. And this is Sandy Brock with the band Servant. You're listening to Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. This is Jerry Bryant. And on this episode of Full Circle, I'm recalling early Jesus music artists who became pastors. And we're getting a sample of their preaching. Now, if you have some creative ideas for an upcoming Full Circle, a theme or something you'd like to see reviewed, why not check out my website and write me? Go to www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com and connect. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. Moving right on, we're going to hear from the group Servant, who recently got back together again for a concert at the 2011 Cornerstone Festival, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the Jesus Movement as a cover story in Time magazine. Now, the Servant story began in late 1975 in Victoria, British Columbia, where the initial members of the Servant Band met. Now, the venue was one of those proverbial upper rooms located on the third floor of an old building with plenty of character and served as a drop-in center and coffee house for transients and misfits. It was during the early months of 1976 that the band began to take shape, consisting initially of Bruce Wright on lead guitar, David Holmes on drums, Rob Martins on bass, and Owen and Sandy Brock on rhythm guitar and vocals, respectively. Within a year of its inception, Bob Hardy joined the fledgling community that Servant was a part of, and eventually became the vocalist for the band. Matt Sprancy, whose skillful keyboards would round out the band's sound, joined in the summer of 1981. Life for the band and community was nomadic, to say the least, those first few years. And after a brief sojourn in San Francisco in 1978, they finally settled in Grants Pass, Oregon in April of 1979, where they bought property and began to crystallize the vision of a mission-focused community base. After six albums and tons of touring, the band broke up in 1990. The various members moved on and did different things. One of the members, Owen Brock, would become a graphic designer. But Owen and Sandy just haven't been able to get the community living out of them. They live in a three-story house that they open up to singles and families from time to time. And Owen is now pastor of sorts in the burgeoning home church movement that came out of the Vineyard Central in Cincinnati, Ohio. From their landmark debut album, Shallow Water, a song referencing the events of 2 Samuel chapter 6, where King David brings the newly rescued Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Hence the title, Here Comes David.
Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. Now another band I caught up with at the 2011 Cornerstone Festival was the Resurrection Band, and specifically, Glenn Kaiser. You can see our pictures standing together in the picture section of my website at www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. Now, Glenn and I have known each other for over 35 years, so it's always good to share with each other what's going on in our various ministries. Glenn's one of the pastors at the Jesus People USA community in Chicago, Illinois. Back in the day when the band was in full swing, Glenn would always tell it like it is about the cost of following Jesus, not just playing church, but making Jesus Lord of your life. And not just the part you want him to be lord over, but every aspect of it. Glenn's passion comes from his own experience. As he's quoted as saying, Nothing else gave me so much happiness or sense of purpose until I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and become absolute lord of my life. Here's a bit of Glenn's rap from the live bootleg album along with the song Loving You which was one of the first times the band incorporated synthesizers into their music as a major component, which would be prominent on future releases such as the album DMZ and Hostage. So many people tonight in this room have not yet said, Lord, show yourself to me and show me to myself and help me to face up to the way things are, not the way I think things are, but the way they are. You know, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine, and God raised you from the dead, not so that we could play some kind of religious game, not so that we could pray some cheap prayer that we're not willing to live out. You can go to any library, you can see that Jesus Christ lived. 
There's no question that he's real. But the question for so many of us tonight is, are we real? Are we real with him? A lot of you before this night have said, oh yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'm sorry for the way I've been living my life. Forgive me. But you're not living for Jesus Christ. He's not first in your life. And there are others here tonight who are off in the closet while the world burns, while people are going to hell, while there's all kinds of struggles and hurts. What about racial prejudice? What about bigotry? What about rape and child abuse? What about people in the gay scene? What about dope and sex and rock and roll? There are a lot of people in hell tonight because of these things. Many of us have said words to God. Jesus said, as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. The way you treat the person you love the least is the, is the way you love God the most. Man, we can't say that we're followers of Jesus unless we are followers of Jesus. The very first sermon Jesus Christ ever preached, he said, repent and believe. He didn't just say believe, he said, repent and believe. And the Bible says in Romans that God has given every man the measure of faith. So we can't say we don't have enough faith to believe that he is. Or that God raised him from the grave. The scripture says, if you'll confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is what? Lord, Lord of my life. And if you'll believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, man believes. That means trust in, cling to, and rely on. With the heart, man trusts in and clings to and relies on the Lord Jesus. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Man, God has offered every one of us a way out of hell. Every one of us a way out of our own selfishness. Every one of us a way out of playing games and hypocrisy. And that way is his son. Jesus tonight wants to come into your life if you're not a Christian. He says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you'll simply open your heart, open the door, let me come in. I will. 1 John 5.13 says that we may know we have eternal life. Not just hope, guess, pray, wonder. That we may know it. And some of you don't know it because you're not sure that you know God. Others of you have said yes, but you've lived no. One foot in the Lord, one foot in the world. You're the prodigal son, the double-minded man. And you need to ask forgiveness and shake yourself loose from your sins and come up and ask forgiveness tonight and pray. Not for some ceremony, but for yourself. For the Lord. So that God can use you to minister to other people. You're not here out of a mistake. You're not in this world without a purpose. God put you here for a purpose until you fulfill the purpose for which he created you. You're never going to find peace and fulfillment inside. Not even as a Christian. Because you can say the words and not live the life. And what good is it? It's empty. It's empty. If you need to pray and get things right with the Lord, man, come on. Now, pray with me. Dear Father, I believe by faith that your son Jesus died on the cross in my place to pay the price for every sin in my life. I believe that he was dead and buried and that you raised him from the grave on the third day. I ask you to come into my heart and into my life and change me from this day on, Lord God. I promise to follow you regardless of the cost. Remind me again and again what it cost you to purchase and to forgive me in the name of your Son, my Lord and my risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Loving You, The Resurrection Band. Hi, this is Glenn Kaiser, and you're listening to the very best of classic Jesus music on Full Circle with Jerry Bryant. This is Jerry Bryant, and in case you've just tuned in, I've been taking you back to where it all began on Full Circle. And if you'd like to know more about this ministry and hear past episodes of Full Circle, simply log in at www.fullcirclejesusmusic.com. That's fullcirclejesusmusic.com. You can also request to be part of our family group when you go to Facebook and log in at Full Circle Jesus Music Group. I hope you've enjoyed exploring the amazing transition of some folks who pioneered early Jesus music and then went on to become pastors. Now, before we're through, I'll share a personal memory from my time with Keith and Melody Green when I was pastor of the Last Days Community in Woodland Hills, California. This, of course, was before the Full Circle Radio Show, back in the days of the Jesus Solid Rock Radio Show that I sent out from the community to over a hundred radio stations every week. Even though Keith had asked me to pastor the community as he traveled in concerts, he was clearly Pastor Keith. Here's a bit of Keith teaching on devotions or devotion. And in it, he starts off reading from some of the writings of Charles Finney, who was the 19th century father of modern revivalism and a huge influence on Keith. Just to note, that the audio is quite old, so please forgive the quality. Here's the late Keith Green. This is really heavy. Many imagine that there is a real difference between devotional duties and other kinds of duties, as if a man could be doing his duty in that which is not devotion to God. Duty meaning obligation, like a guy that says, it's my duty to put bread on the table. It's my duty to, to support my family. You know, so I'm going to go do my devotions and then I'm going to go out and support my family. The duties of devotion are generally supposed to be prayer and reading the scriptures together with singing and praying in the fellowship of God's house on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, men imagine themselves to be devotional, while on weekdays, except for those few acts they call their devotions, they are serving themselves and are supremely devoted to their own interests. Now, all such ideas arise out of a total absence of true devotion. And individuals who entertain such views do not yet understand what true Christianity is. Nothing is duty if it is not performed for God. That means nothing, there's nothing that you have to do if it isn't performed for God. And God doesn't, isn't pleased that you're supporting your family, or paying your debts, or, or brushing your teeth, if you're not doing it for Him. A man that is truly religious is as devotional in his daily business as he is on the Sabbath. The business of the world is performed by him with the same spirit and purpose as he prays, reads his Bible, and attends worship on the Sabbath. If this is not the case, he has no true religion. He has no true religion. I want to say that there's, there, after reading Finney for a while, I never really saw this. I thought that there was a religious part of my life and a secular part of my life. I really did. I mean, it's a, it's a common way to think. I thought that my prayer life was was sanctified and my Bible study was before God but you know my brushing the teeth going to the bathroom eating you know I mean I knew there was a scripture whether you eat or drink to offer the glory of God but how to eat a hot dog for God you know and I knew there were recreational times play volleyball or ping pong or, or God forbid cards and 
Can you do that for God? According to the Bible, anything that can be done in a right spirit is being done for God, for the right motive, for the right purpose. And we're going to talk more about those things in a minute. But I just want to say, it is idiocy, and I was an idiot, when I thought that there was my Christian part of my life and then my business obligations. Uh-uh. If you're a Christian businessman, and you don't do your business as you would do it with Jesus Christ himself. You know how if you're, you're a businessman, right? And if Jesus came into the store, you'd give him the best deal. In fact, you probably wouldn't even make a profit, you know? After a while, you'd have to make a little one to support your family. That's God's will for you to support your family. But if Jesus came into the store, you wouldn't sell him the crummy tape machine. You know, you wouldn't give him the thing with the high markup so you'd make the biggest profit. You wouldn't sell him the day-old bread and not say it was day-old. You wouldn't do the little tricks that businessmen do to make a little bit extra with him. And it says that if you don't do your business as a worship unto the Lord, you're just a flaming hypocrite. That's what the Pharisees did. They prayed, oh man, they prayed, nobody's prayed as good as them. Nobody. They had praying down. They went to prayer 101 and 102 in college. They learned it. They had giving down, man. You know, and they'd write their check out, I'm giving to God. You know, drop it in the treasury. They had giving down. They had prayer down. They had the scriptures down, man. They knew it backwards and forwards, just like the devil. But they didn't have worship down. They didn't have devotion down. They didn't have commitment to God down. I think it's important that you realize that Christianity, now you've heard this, I want to be a full-time Christian, not just a Sunday Christian. There is no such thing as anything else but a full-time Christian. That's like saying, I'm going to be a man on Sunday, and then the rest of the week I'll be a girl. That's how stupid it is. It's, it's idiocy. Let's finish this segment by playing a song from The Prodigal Son, which was the second posthumous release by Keith. His widow, Melody Green, assembled it from unreleased material and released it in 1983. And it's also filled with Keith's personal notes on each of the tracks. In his own words, here's what Keith had to say about our feature song. This is a song of worship and dedication to Jesus. God has given us a free will, and along with that comes the freedom of choice. We must choose to love, choose to obey, and choose to follow in the hard times as well as the good. Now, sometimes the choices are not easy, but let's ask the Lord to help us make the right ones so that we can serve Him with our whole heart and declare, Lord, I'm going to love you. Lord, I'm going to love you. Yes, I'm going to love you. I'm gonna love you, Lord, with all that's in my heart. Lord, I'm gonna trust you. Yes, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you, Lord, with all that's in my soul. Lord, I'm gonna thank you. Yes, I'm gonna thank you. 
Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and let your light shine. This is Jerry Bryant. Full Circle is recorded in the Jesus Solid Rock Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. Written by Russell Baum and engineered by Jeff Kane. Full Circle is a JSR production. This is Full Circle.